You're listening to the Tenuto Podcast presented by me, Kevin Lynch. Here we go! Alright, welcome back to the Tenuto Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Lynch. And every week, we sit down with a different music educator, and I pick their brain, and I try to learn something from them. This week, I sat down with Mark Pages. He's an elementary teacher out of Maryland, and this is his first year. Me and Mark go way back. Um, We became friends in 2012 at Penn State University. We were both freshmen, trombone players, and... Uh, under the direction of Mark Lusk in the Penn State Trombone Studio. He really creates a family atmosphere, and me and Mark really became good friends through that. We, we were friends all four years. Uh, now we're both off teaching in different places. He teaches in Maryland, and I'm teaching in Virginia. And we both had the philosophy when we were looking for jobs of, we'll go anywhere. And we were applying literally everywhere. Uh, I ended up in Virginia, and he ended up in Maryland. So we're, we're pretty close. We haven't seen each other this year, but it was nice to just sit down and Skype. Um, and that's another thing that this podcast has done for me, is that it, it's keeping me close with my friends, and we get to talk about things that we normally wouldn't talk about as much. I don't really pick their brains about teaching and their biggest struggles and things, you know, when we're on the phone and I just want to talk about baseball or sports or whatever. It's opening day, by the way, today, Monday, the day I'm recording this. So to all your baseball nerds out there, happy opening day. Um, But, you know, it is nice for me to, to get to talk to Mark. In my life, things are going pretty well. My bands played great at assessment. I'm very proud of the way they played. And Like I said, I really believe that assessment is a reflection of what's going on in the classroom. Um, I don't think you can be torn up over an excellent or a good if at the beginning of the year your band was at a five and you got them to be better. And it's all about progress. I mean, just like in, in sports, in band, I mean, it's not about winning or losing so much. And that's a lesson that I learned this year as a coach, because it can be hard when, you're, when your team's losing a lot. And you have to remember, you're not so much playing to win or lose, you're teaching these people the game. And you're, you're playing against your potential. And that's what the bands are too. We're playing against our potential. And I really, I truly believe that all the bands that I took to assessment really 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 improved a lot this year and I'm really really proud of the way they did this is my first assessment and I wasn't really too nervous and I remember in college this grad teacher grad student he told me that the only reason that he gets nervous is when he's not prepared and this year, I, I felt so prepared going up there to conduct, and I know that the, that the kids were prepared. So there wasn't a lot of nerves on my part, but that was a big moment for me, just, just going through my first assessment. I'm pretty confident in the fact that it went well, and just wanted to share that on the podcast. So here is Mark Pages. 
Like I said, he's my friend from college, first year teacher, and you'll get to know a lot about Mark in this interview. Here we go. Here's Mark. All right, I'm sitting here with my good friend, Mark Pages, from Beaver Run Elementary in Maryland. He teaches K-1 and 2. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been, it's been too long. I needed to get you on here. Thanks, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, me and Mark went to Penn State together. We played trombone together, lived in the same apartment complex together. We've been through a lot together, so it's definitely good to have him on the show. And Mark is a trombone player, um, and he's teaching elementary general out there in his first year. So tell me, Mark, I mean, how are you liking it? I mean, if you told me a year ago that I would be teaching at all, I would be like, no, I'm, I'm going to be in the Marines. I would be in the Marine Band. I had this whole gig set up. But, you know, here I am teaching and teaching kindergarten, first and second graders. Like I, if, like I said, if you ever asked me a year ago, this, I never thought that, that would happen. I would never think <laughs> I would be teaching five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, let alone 600 of them. Yeah. Wow, you're teaching 600 kids? 600 kids. That was like closer to 500, but that it was started out with 600, about 200 per grade, nine classes per grade. Um, I see them twice a cycle, which means I see them twice every six days for 30 minutes. Um, I see them a lot. I'm, I walk around a lot. And the cool thing about it is that I know every kid in the building, mm-hmm. even though there are 600 of them, um, but it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And so you, we're pretty similar in the sense that we both moved away to a new state that we we didn't really know much about we didn't know a lot of people there and we're mm-hmm. just kind of winging it this is our first mm-hmm. year but it seems like you said you've really found a, a home in salisbury you're really liking it down there i love salisbury i mean i wish i got i would get out more and uh explore the community but within my school and within the school district that i teach in and in, in maryland they teach by county so it's not like in Pennsylvania where there's just school districts where it's just, you know, maybe two elementary schools, a middle school, and then a high school. Yeah. Here we have 26 schools within our county, and right. there's four high schools, and it spans a good a good decent amount of the map. Um, but I definitely found a home here. I definitely found, uh, as I would say, my marigolds, where okay. I found teachers who I could relate to and then teachers who have supported me. And it's not just like, you know, one mentor teacher. I found several teachers, some teachers who I go and just, you know, if I want to go have a laugh with and I just had a bad day, I just go over there and talk to them. Right. Or if I need some more serious things like, uh, when's, when are my SLOs do? When are, when are these things that I have to do when it like specific things, professional things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I definitely found a bunch of teachers who, who've helped me and not only just teachers, but like I've become best friends with, um, my head custodian, like people who I never thought I would hang out with, but here I am hanging out with those people yeah and that's i mean i feel like that's what people prepped us for at penn state is like you have to become friends with everyone in the building if you want to be happy and successful at your school mm-hmm. and, and people really talk to me about making friends with the custodians and making friends with the front office people yes so definitely. those are two areas that that i try to work at in my two schools and then like you said the other teachers mentor teachers are huge Mm-hmm. And and that's nice that you have that. You said you also have a couple of paras that come into your rooms, right? Yes. Uh, every kindergarten class has an assistant that comes in 
I also have a couple paras who come in with uh, students with disabilities of some sort, whether it's mental or physical or emotional, whatever it may be. Um, so that's definitely prepped me to being observed. Like now, anytime there's an adult in the room, I don't sweat any bullets. Um, unless I'm being like truly observed for like an official observation, then maybe I get a little stressed, <laughs> but definitely yeah. not as much as I used to. Like I used, like I remember with Dr. L- or Dr. Thornton from Penn State when she would come and observe us for student teaching, I would sweat bullets. I don't know why. I would just I would freeze on the podium or something. Like everything would just go wrong and yeah, it, it just didn't happen. But definitely having these those paraprofessionals or just other adults in the room have definitely made me like feel fine. Anytime my principal walks in in the middle of a lesson, I. I'm not worried at all. Yeah, I know what you mean, man, because I'm, I'm in a job where I, there's two band directors in the room at one time, so I'm always being watched by someone mm. who knows what they're doing. Mm. And I guess after a while, I guess once they, they're not saying anything to you and they're telling you you're doing a good job, it makes you feel pretty good and uh, you don't get as nervous anymore. Exactly. And I, I think it's a bigger compliment when someone who doesn't know a lot about music or like these paraprofessionals or the, the assistants who come with kindergarten, they have seen me teach and they've seen if they've been there for a couple of years, they've seen the oh, previous yeah. teacher teach. Yeah. And they're like, wow, like music is a lot of fun for the kids. And I'm not bashing my predecessor. They're, they've just seen that the kids have been reacting differently to me and to how I teach. Um, yeah. And they're for someone who doesn't know a lot about music, they're saying like, wow, you're great. That, that actually feels really good. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I recently started coaching lacrosse and one of the parents who helps out, he told me the other day that he was like, I don't care if you know nothing about the sport. It means so much that you're just able to work with these kids. I can tell that you're a teacher and like, and I think, yeah. that, I mean, that goes a long way. Like, you don't have to know, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if I really agree that you don't have to know a lot about it, but just being able to work with kids and get them to, to listen to you and be on your side, I mean, that takes a lot, and I mm-hmm. think that that's something that you do a really good job of. I, I agree, and you, you're te- or coaching middle school across. Yeah. Like, I think, especially in elementary land, especially with kindergarten, first and second grade, kids... Like they can sense and they can like smell who's like, who's good, who's not, who's not good, who's, right. who actually is caring and who isn't caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they definitely have that sense and, the, and they know that this person either knows their stuff or they don't. Yeah, they can smell the phonies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. So first year, uh, what is one thing that has surprised you about your first year teaching? Kids say the funniest things. <laughs> yeah, at, like yep. at the worst times. <laughs> like if I had any kind of money, every time I've like lost it in front of a class, like just break down laughing, I would be a millionaire. <laughs> I know what you mean. Do you have any examples? Uh, I, I just I can't remember the one time. I remember this little kid. His name was Keandre. Nice big full head of dreads. He asked to go to the bathroom. And I said, hey, like, can you hold it? And he's like, what, like my pants? I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> it's like a little first grader who, you know, like, he had the serious face. And I was just like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Dang. 
And I've learned to have a lot of fun with the kids. I mean, yeah, I, I should get a lot more done in 30 minutes with them, but we have a lot of fun. Yeah. And you know, it's good. about it's about the experience for sure with, with the younger ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want them to have a good time with music so that they continue to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what what are some things that you're doing in your classroom right now in the K1 and 2? That you're really that you're really proud of things that you're you're really enjoying. Um, at the beginning of the year, I was given a lot of my lesson plans, like or, or as uh, my mentor would say, these are suggestions. But like I took those suggestions to heart because I'm like I I was trained to be a middle school band director. I was or high, some kind of band director. I never mm-hmm. thought I would be in general music. Yeah, we had Dr. Rutkowski and we had people at Penn State who who prepped us to be prepared for that but I, I never really thought about material and content and that kind of thing so I lean heavily on the course materials and whatever was given to me um, but right now like first grade they're preparing for their concert and I'm treating it as an informance where I'm taking elements from my classroom and like putting that I'm going to put that on stage and I'm just realizing like wow we've done so much this year like I they can read uh, duple and triple rhythms. They can do their doodotties and they can do their do day doos, and that we can intermix them and we can make mix meters. I, I think rhythm is a big thing. Um, I'm definitely proud of myself for becoming more of a, a toneful singer, and then I'm singing more in tune oh, along yeah. with the kids. Because you're singing like, every day, right? Singing every day and singing in front of other people. I sing in front of adults all the time, and I I always say like, yeah, I'm actually the music teacher, believe it or not, <laughs> with my raspy singing voice. But I mean. Now I, I feel for uh, what was said back in in our college days, where it's like, I, am I the best singer in the world? No, but I can sing in tune, and I'm like, I can really identify with that now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I remember those remedial, not remedial. I was in remedial singing, but right, yeah. we were in the same singing class. After yeah, that, I mean, like, I remember shouting <laughs> like, "Oh, Danny boy!" I was singing like, "High E flat." I can't. <laughs> Now I can belt out the high F. <laughs> yeah, I remember you. You and Nathan and Brad laughing at me. I remember. Some high pitches, man. Dude, can you give the podcast a little Danny boy right now? Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are called. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Now I'm not singing a tune. I well, apologize. When, when we got to the, when Mark got to the high part. He kind of, like, screamed it really loud. It's called belting because I can't sing that high, all right? I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. And it's probably pretty rude, but me and my friend, I think, me and Nathan. Yeah, you Nate Brad. I remember that room that wasn't big enough to hold more than five people where it was, like, 12 students all, and we're, like, singing. Like, we're pretending we're on stage. Yeah, that brought me back right there. That was freshman year, believe it or not. But it's pretty cool wow. that you've you've come so lo- so far, and now you can you can belt it out with confidence. Uh, yeah, but I I go into falsetto now, regardless. Like I yeah, I, I do that kind of thing. The biggest yeah. thing that I've I've done um, is trying to make music from the time they come in the room to the time they leave. Like as soon as they sit down, we're singing solfege, and we like I would I would sing on so me do good morning, or if I'm doing uh, minor, we can do minor patterns really quickly. Um, and then anytime we move in the room, so we go from our seats to maybe to the carpet, we sing like Mary had a little lamb. I am going to my dot, to my dot, to my dot. Cause I have spot markers on the floor. And then when they move back to their seats, we sing the same thing, just saying we're going to our seats. 
and then we do our, our activities. And when they're lining up, now I have a lineup song. So every moment that they're in music, whether they're stand or they're coming in or they're leaving, there's music happening and they're doing the music. It's not like it's just I'm playing something in the background. So I, I've been very, very proud of that. Cool. For sure. Something that I've been intrigued by, and the guest that I had on the show last week, Carly, does this in her classroom too, is a, is a composer of the month mm-hmm. project. And I saw that you, you do that in your classroom a little bit. Can you talk mm-hmm. about what you do with that? For the most part, it's just something else to put in my room that changes every month. Like we, we might – like last month this or in March rather, we discussed Duke Ellington. So I took one of my six-day cycles and I, we talked about Duke Ellington. We talked a little bit about jazz. And I used it as a preface for this month because it is Jazz in Our Schools Month or Jazz Appreciation Month. And uh, actually today I changed my bulletin board because now it's, hello, April. Um, I've changed it to Ella Fitzgerald, who's featured as one of the jazz appreciation, uh, not necessarily composer of the month, but artist, the jazz artist. And uh, this month is actually uh, women's women women in jazz appreciation for this year. So I thought we'll talk about Ella Fitzgerald, um, especially with a lot of the things that have been happening politically and everything else. It's nice to have a, and I'm not afraid to say, a black or African-American woman on my wall in the room, yeah. especially since 75% of my students are ethnic of some sort. Yeah. I think, I think it's like 65% black or African American, you know, the rest are Haitian or Hispanic. And I have very few Caucasian students, Wow. Um, but every, every month I've changed it. It's mo- it's been really jazz heavy now that I think about it, but I'm not afraid to put like one month it was Mozart and another month it was like Lady Gaga. Right. So, I, so I you, have, you keep it relevant with them, but also things that, like it's not out of their reach. Yeah, and I try to make it relatable. Like we yeah. when we did um, Beethoven, we talked a lot about short, 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 long, and I I got them to listen to the first minute of the piece, and to get kindergartners to listen to the first minute of anything is a challenge. Mm-hmm. But they were able to like watch it on screen with those YouTube videos. Right, keeps them attentive. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, so I like that. I like that a lot. Tell me about your biggest struggle so far this year as a first-year teacher. Uh, One of the biggest struggles I have – well, I have two really. One, transitions. Oh, my goodness. Like Mm. I I stink at transitions and that's kind of the reason why I put those songs in there. Um, uh, One of the the biggest things that I started way back in like October or November is reading the objective to the students. So they're not like, what are we doing today, Mr. Pages? They know, like, as soon as they come in and after we sing a couple patterns, that Mr. Pages is going to go, today we will. And they respond, today we will. And I'll point to the objective on the board and we'll say whatever it is. Like, today we will demonstrate a steady beat. Demonstrate a steady beat. And then we do it from there. Cool. And then I'll, I'll interrupt the lesson and be like, today we will. Today we will sing or practice so la me or whatever it is i mean more of the most of them get in depth is like exactly what we're doing and i'll explain it um but it it definitely is like okay this is what we're doing now or this is what's going to be coming up next and it's always on the board so if the kids if i don't say it like they'll look on the board it's like mr pages you forgot that i'm like we'll we'll either talk about that a little later today or next time right so So it's, it's something for them to grab onto as soon as they walk through that door too sure Sure. So you said that there's a couple. You said there was one other thing, or yes, 
and I think it escaped my brain. Wow. Oh, no, no, I remember now. Oh, so I remember I had a couple, uh, like I have a mentor coach who comes in and sometimes just watches, like not for observations. Like anytime they come in, they're a friend. They're not a foe. Like they're not there to, to sure. make marks on a piece of paper, but yeah. they're there to offer suggestions. And I remember she came in. And I was like, this is one of my more favorite classes. And when I when I think about that, I do have favorites. I'm not I, – I believe in favorites. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, when I said that, she took a little bit of a mental note of that in her head. And I was a little bit more laid back with the class because she saw two of them. She saw one before, and then I was like, this is my favorite one. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll laugh a little bit more. And yeah. we did, but we didn't get as much done. And it was like – it was very hard to keep their focus. So it's drawing that line between, like, you know, when is the time for play and when is it time for work? I, right. I, I struggle with that line. I can relate to that. There is one class that I teach that the kids are, they have so much personality. And mm-hmm. it, it's really easy to just, you know, have a good time. And the thing is, I mean, they sound good. Like, mm-hmm. they, they sound good. They did really well at assessment. And they have, and it's fun to just have a good time with them and, and be fun. But at the same time, one of my co-teachers says, like, you need to give them their vegetables and their dessert. And sometimes I gave them a little too much dessert. Yeah. So that's yep. something. And, that, like, yeah. and if you can push them too, like, you know, right. keep pushing them. You know, if they can work for 25 minutes and only and, – and they could do that, then do 25 minutes and then play for five. And then, you know, maybe next time try for 26 or 27 or 28 minutes. I'm talking, you know, out of 30 minutes here. Um, yeah. 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 Gotcha, man. Well, that's mm-hmm. well, that's good. And uh, you have played probably over 100 concerts in your life. Probably. Count. Yeah. High school. And but this year you college. put on your first concert with elementary kids, right? Elementary general kids. 200 second graders, yes. How was that? Nine classes. Like, if I did not, I'll, I'll thank Mr. Ron Linksweiler. He is the biggest mentor coach that I've had this year. He's a general, uh, a retired general music teacher, and he's contracted by our supervisor. In Maryland, we have a fine arts supervisor who helps out the music and arts and runs the, the department. And he contracted Mr. Linksweiler, and Mr. Linksweiler gave me so much help because I knew there was supposed to be a holiday concert, but he gave me all the tips and the tricks, and I just had to, you know, I had to implement the plan. He came, he kind of came up with the plan, and I just had to rehearse them, and I had to get all the materials ready, and I had to come up with the play, rehearse the play, I had to rehearse the music, I had to rehearse the dances, I had to come up with the rhythm patterns, I had to do, I had to do a lot of it myself. Um, yeah. putting into action but without a older person who's very experienced and professional and like you know like basically the, the major league baseball player of concerts without him i definitely would have flunked for sure <laughs> yeah but but that concert was cool it had a, a choir of two classes to start and then a, a play with about four or five students and a second grade teacher and it was like granny's uh granny's christmas special okay so she was trying she was like reading a story to her kids and she was remembering back in the day like oh this is how christmas was i remember hearing the jingle bells and then 
curtain opens and there's second graders there with jingle bells in their hands and they're playing along to a song like I think it was Ode to Joy. Mm-hmm. And then curtain closes and the granny's like, oh, I remember the toy soldiers. And then curtains open and then they were the toy soldiers sing- or dancing to the toy soldier march from some Christmas thing that the Rockettes oh, cool. did. And it was like just a couple of memories and then curtains close and then end the play. And then there was a combined number at the end with all the kids singing Must Be Santa, which was a Christmas song I never heard of, but it's, it's very neat. It's kind of like the 12 Days of Christmas, but just talking about the parts of Santa, like his red nose and his red hat and his yeah. uh, black shoes and that kind of thing. Oh, nice, dude. So there are a lot of working parts. And the craziest thing about the whole performance was that we never rehearsed in the performance area we rehearsed in our gym um but if we had all second grade there and all the parents came like it would be standing room only so we went over to the high school Mm -hmm. and we performed there but we never rehearsed at the high school and that is something that we do here in virginia and it's just the first time we had the concert it like drove me wild it drove mm-hmm. me crazy that we weren't we weren't going to play at the high school before we performed. Like the first time we played it was at the high school, or the first time we played it at the high school was at the high school. Yeah, and the teachers were just like fine with it there, and I and I guess I mean the concert was fine. So, but that mm-hmm. was foreign to me, too. It was just like a lot of moving parts. There were like we were utilizing this tunnel that they had in the back of the stage. Oh yeah. yeah. So like in the gym we had like try and figure out how to mimic it and if you know anything about little kids they need to know exactly what's happening yeah they they need to at least rehearse it once to get an idea of it otherwise it's all over the place but i'm so thankful i had a team of second grade teachers who were willing to help me yeah um and i definitely thank my special area teachers too the media teacher and the gym teachers who helped me set up the stage and all that other stuff i mean definitely finding my marigolds like going back to the beginning of this definitely Mm -hmm. finding my marigolds has had blessed that concert and I think it'll bless the concert I'm having the spring too with the first graders. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, mm-hmm. this has been a great interview, and I'm really glad that you've been on. Before you go, I need to do a rapid fire session. With oh, you. here we go! I've been waiting for this. I know you love the rapid fire. You I always love text it. me about them. I'm... I think it's so funny. It's great. <laughs> I love it. So I don't need to explain it. this to you. You know what to do. I think I think I know. You have to answer it as slowly as possible, right? No. Wrong answer. <laughs> you have to answer. First thing that pops into your head. Ready? Ooh, go. I'm ready. What is your spirit animal? Elephant. <laughs> Do you live your life by any quotes? Uh, uh, live free or die hard. Is that the, how's, oh. how's that go? <laughs> there he is. All die right. Hard. What is that? <laughs> That's a good quote. I like that. Live free die. I think I say that backwards. Live free or die hard. Die. Oh, that's right. That's right. Live free or... Uh, I don't know. I like it. Either way. <laughs> First thing that came in my mind. <laughs> yeah, you're really... I, yeah, I like your approach to, uh, to the rapid fire. Keep it up. There we go. go. Here's another one. If you could take one album, one book... And one luxury item to a desert island, what would they be? One album? One book right. and one luxury item. All right. One, the first – the album would have to be uh, Mahler 2. I'm Ooh. not sure what album that is, but Mahler Symphony okay, number that's, 2. That's acceptable. All right. And then the book, uh, the, f- 
either The Notebook or The Fault in Our Stars. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. All right, so the, I think the movie and the book are interchangeable. So if I could have one or the <laughs> other as the book and one or the other as the movie, I'd be happy. Well, it's not – okay. So you Wait, what's the la- movie? what was the last one? Um, the Luxury Item. Oh, uh, I guess The Notebook is a luxury item, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this. Oh, my God. Okay, what is the best advice you've ever received – how about this? Don't talk about the notebook on a podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, that's a first for me. Uh, actually, Dr. Doctor Bundy, uh, when he gave his commencement speech the year before we graduated, he said, people are not going to remember what you say. People are not going to remember what you do, but they will remember how you made them feel. Yeah. But that's the biggest piece of advice I've ever, yeah, I've ever I had. That. I think about that all the time. Yeah. Like, especially when teaching students, I think, you know, they're not going to remember if I berate them, if they're being bad or if I'm, you know, praising them. Um, and they're not going to remember what we did in class because I barely remember what we did in elementary class. But I remember my music teacher in elementary and like she was a very loving person. Mm-hmm. And I just hope my kids think I'm that, too. Yeah, I remember my middle school. I remember the way my middle school band director made me feel. He gave me a lot of positive encouragement. And made me want to continue, and I wouldn't be where I am without him. So that's why I teach middle school. All right. What is the worst advice you see or hear given in your area of expertise? So music-wise. Worst? Yeah. The worst advice in music. Come on, Mr. Rabbit. Oh, I guess... um. A performance degree is a bad option. Oh, a music a music ed degree is yeah, a heard, backup plan. Yeah. Yeah, oh, not, I was thinking about that today. Yeah. People, people who are like, "Oh, music ed's my backup." No, you're every a musician is a musician and a teacher is a teacher, and if you happen to be one or the other, then that's great. But music ed should never be a backup. No. And I have a feeling that those are the teachers that get burnt out the fastest. Not only that, but if you want to become a performer, you will always teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have, if you perform, you're going to be a teacher. You're going to be doing something. You're going to do a workshop or a clinic of some sort, and then, boom, you're teaching. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tell me about your morning routine. Uh, I hit snooze about ten times. I, <laughs> uh, I, I get up. I rate myself for sleeping in, and oh, then I have to take a really quick shower. This uh, is too relatable. I uh, <laughs> I put two eggs, two hard-boiled eggs in my lunch bag that I will forget about. <laughs> and once I get to school, I hit uh, the button on the Keurig thing. And half there the time, go. I forget to replace the Keurig, so all I get – and I, also, I preload my creamer. So if I forget to put the Keurig, all I get is a hot thing of white water because the creamer is in there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's how my mornings go for the most part. Wow. But I do, I do get to school at eight o'clock and my start time is not eight until eight 45. So I'm not late to school. Right. I'm just late getting up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm late to being early. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a podcast <laughs> recommendation. Uh, remind me and post to your Facebook or create a Facebook group that says, Hey, Tenuto's back out. Cause I always forget hey. until you remind me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, you mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just cut that part out. It's fine. Don't worry about it. 
<laughs> you should leave that in. That's pretty funny. <laughs> God. <laughs> I am so dead right now. This, by the way, if anyone's still listening, um, th- this is actually me and Kev all the time. And it's great to have a great friend to just talk to and just chat with. Yeah. All right. Give me a, give me a podcast that you listen to. Um, I listen to a couple. I listen to The Truth, uh, the Bronx Bombers Yankees podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. Yankee I think I've, to- I, I've told you about The Truth. That's like music for your ears. And it's a great thing to listen to as you're driving because, you know, you don't want to be watching Netflix and get pulled over. But The Truth, it, it definitely sets you up. Um, and I've listened to Millennial. And it's kind of like your podcast, but it's it's – it's more broad based. It's just like a girl who just graduated college and is trying to figure out her life and is going through internships and this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and you, that was a great thing to listen to. Yeah, that was great to listen to over the summer when I'm like, uh, do I, am I getting a job or am I not getting a job kind of thing? Yeah. So it, it made me feel like I'm not the only one out there who's not with a job. <laughs> yeah. And then you got one. I did. Late in the season, but I did. And it all Maryland's, Maryland's the place to be. <laughs> Yeah, to all you college kids out there, Mark got his job when? Late August? No, not uh, late August. Well, I got hired July 31st. That's I had my I applied. The next day, I got a phone call from my supervisor, and then the next week I had an interview and he hired me on the spot. Um, I was the last one of four candidates that he interviewed and he's like, "Yep, I'm picking you." And then 2 weeks later, I was I moved to Salisbury in August. Yep. So, to if you think that it's late, it's never too late. You can Just always keep a, get a job. Yeah. Keep applying, and I say apply anywhere. Apply anywhere. I love that. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for for coming on the show, and I'm sure we'll have you back. Friend of thank the program, you for having me. Mark Pages. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> God, I hate you so much. <laughs> and that was a fun episode with mark uh we're really going through a lot of similar things i do enjoy interviewing first year teachers because i can relate with them on a lot of different things so i'm trying to find a balance of first year teachers and then teachers who really really know what they're doing and that's that's been my focus so far next week we should have an interview coming with the director of music education from Mary Washington University, Doug Gately. He agreed to do the interview. We haven't recorded it yet, but if everything goes according to plan, we'll get more of an experienced outlook next week. Uh, Not to say that there isn't value in all these new teacher interviews because I get a ton from from them. Um, And I'm, I'm really growing a lot. This podcast is doing what it's supposed to for me. I'm I'm thinking about things differently, and I'm really, really, I think I'm changing as a teacher for the better. So if you're, if you're along the ride with me, I hope that you're seeing some, some different things in your teaching, and your mind is maybe thinking a different way than it would be if you didn't listen to this. So look out for next week's episode, and I will see you guys.